kayo ba after niyong mapawalang sala sa isang napakalaking crime at mag-top sa bar exam, anong gagawin niyo in life? Ang gagawin ko in life, mag-vlog. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, ganda yan, ha? Yeah, if I survive it, di ba? No, ikaw, Vic. Ay, ako kapakabait na ako. Hindi na ako hmm. ulit. It was a very narrow escape. <laughs> Or baka rin maisip ko na parang if I can get away with those things, I can get away with bigger things. Sundan ko lang yung sinabi ni Lino kasi siguro ako kung maging ganyan, baka maging war hero ako. Gaya ni Marcos Sr. Welcome to another episode of Podcast Conversations in Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Hello sa inyong lahat. Ako si Lee. Ako si Aaron. Ako si Vec. At ako si Bro. In this second installment of our Shapers and Shakers Personalities of Martial Law, we'll be discussing the life of the person behind it all. Oo nga ano, siya rin ang dahilan kung bakit golden age di umano ang martial law, ang martial law period. Ang dahilan kung bakit patong-patong ang utang ng Pilipinas before Duterte's time, lalo na ngayon. At syempre ang dahilan kung bakit may series tayo about martial law. And could also be the reason no, why his son uh, won by a landslide nitong 2022 presidential elections. No? Remember the, of course, the false nostalgia or to some the unlikely nostalgia that Filipinos experience uh, in recent years, di ba? At ito nga, I see God. Hindi, <laughs> biro lang. Well, pwede rin nga kasi para sa iba-ibang mga Pilipino, tila Diyos ang turing sa taong ito. Remember, he coined himself as malakas and called his wife maganda, mythologizing and portraying themselves as destined individuals for public service. Kaya naman ngayong araw, atin at usisain ang buhay ni Ferdinand Ederlin Marcos Sr., Gano nga ba ang impact niya sa Philippine politics? And for the purpose of our theme this season, was he a shaper or a shaker? Yan sa ating pagbabalik. For sure, marami nang nakakaalam na Ilocano itong si Marcos Sr. He was born September 11, 1917 sa Sarat, Ilocos Norte. Siya ang panganay na anak nila Mariano Marcos, isang guro, abogado at mangbabatas mula sa Ilocos Norte, at Josefa Quetaliano Edrelin, isang public school teacher. Young Marcos uh, Sr., no, young Ferdinand, lived a life of uh, brilliance and uh, promise. Marami yung bilib nga sa kanya. Eh, no? So he loved reading books and he excelled in his studies. No, he actually studied law at the University of the Philippines and graduated cum laude. And he's also into sports, no? particularly uh, shooting, no? pistol uh, shooting. Sharp shooter nga daw itong si Marcos Sr. at miyembro rin ng UP Rifle Team. Kaya nang paslangin ang political rival ng kanyang ama sa Ilocos na si Julio Nalundasan, hindi katakatakang nasangkot siya rito. In 1933, Marcos Sr. was convicted for the murder of Nalundasan. Ang sentensya, life imprisonment. Surprisingly, he defended himself at the Supreme Court and the Court of Last Resort acquitted him and his uncle Lizardo in 1940. It was then Justice Josepi Laurel who, also in his early years convicted of homicide, gave the young Marcos another chance in life. Because of his acquittal and his apparent bar exam success, Marcos Sr. became popular out of publicity. At parang he's really poised to become something big, ano? thinking that he's destined uh, to serve the people. 
kayo ba, after niyong mapawalang sala sa isang napakalaking crime at mag-top sa bar exam, anong gagawin niyo in life? Ang gagawin ko in life, mag-vlog. Ganda yan, ah. Yeah, if I survive it, diba? Ikaw, Vet. Ay, ako kapakabait na ako. Hindi na ako mm. ulit. It was a very narrow escape. <laughs> Or baka rin maisip ko na parang if I can get away with those things, I can get away with bigger things. Sundan ko lang yung sinabi ni Lino kasi siguro ako kung maging ganyan, baka maging war hero ako. <laughs> Gaya ni Marcos Sr. Kasi during the Second World War, naging gerila itong si Marcos Sr. Di ba sobrang honorable? Pero ang kakaiba dito ay he claimed that he actively led a group of guerrilla resistance unit and won many battles against the Japanese. So, totoo ba? Yeah. Mariin din naman itong uh, pinabulaanan no, ng US government archives. No? So, at maninggit pa nga nila na uh, ito ay quote-unquote fraudulent and absurd. Diba? Yun yung terms nila na ginamit. Totoo. Mm-hmm. At kung interesado ang ating mga listeners about that particular anecdote in Philippine history, we have an episode sa ating series na Contested Philippine Histories. Ito yung Heroes and Villains episode. Mapanggit natin doon si Laurel, mapanggit natin doon si, itong si Marcos Sr. And syempre, he actual heroes of World War II. Tignan nyo na lang sa listahan ng ating mga episodes. Pero unfortunately, marami ang naniwala sa mga kwento niyang ito at nakatulong pa nga sa kanyang political career under the narrative na he's the one that Filipinos have been waiting for. Ang magdadala sa Pilipinas sa pagunlad. After the Second World War, he served as a technical assistant to Manuel Rojas. It was Rojas who persuaded him to leave law and enter politics. So he was elected as congressman of Ilocos Norte served three consecutive terms and became the youngest member of the House of Representatives. Naging matunog yung pangalan ni, ni Marcos Sr. sa publiko, lalo't kabilang siya dun sa mga tinatawag na new men of uh, Philippine politics. No? O yung mga politiko hailing from the middle class, no? kaiba dun sa nakasanayang apelyido na ng mga tao during that time, na of course galing sa mga landed elite or yung mga old rich na, na families sa bansa. No? So in 1959, he joined the Senate and four years later, Uh, became the Senate President no, from 1963 to 1965. Of course, still very much on track uh, dun sa kanyang goal of becoming the next President. And actually, perfect scenario rin for him na hindi naging maganda yung lagay ng Pilipinas noong 1960s. No? There was worsening problem of graft and corruption and criminality noong 1960s. No? The youth movement was very active in campaigning to solve the growing poverty and meet the failed promises of previous administrations. So parang sounds familiar, no? And then the incumbent president then, just Dado Makapagal, also received his fair share of public backlash due to his unpopular decisions to decontrol the economy, which later led to the devaluing of the peso. So perfect timing ito for Marcos to step up his game. He jumped the fence from being a liberal to a nationalista in 1965 and went against Justado Macapagal in a presidential election turned popularity contest. Yeah, Marcos won decisively and uh, 
promised a new society. Finally, nakamit na rin niya yung kanyang pinapangarap no, by this time. And in his inaugural speech, for example, ng December 30, 1965, no, he said, uh, and I quote, na, this nation can be great again. No, this I have said over and over. It is my article of faith. And divine providence has willed that you and I can now translate this faith into deeds. No? End quote. Yan yung kanyang isa sa mga statements. Yan yung, disco, yung diskurso niya. No? So talagang God pa rin talaga. <laughs> he also ran for a second term no? and won the bloody 1969 elections being the first president to win re-election for a second four-year term. And in his inaugural speech, he promised to end poverty, hunger, crime, corruption, deception, violence, and promote peace and truth. Yan yung nasa inaugural speech niya mismo. Despite nga lang ng mga noble goals na iyan, concerns about his plans of extending his rule to a third term became the talk of the town. Even the U.S. State Department knew as early as 1971 that, and I quote, he has already decided to try to extend himself in office by one means or another after his present term expires. End of quote. Ang tanong na lang talaga ay paano? One possible recourse was of course to amend the 1935 Constitution through a constitutional commission. But such a process was slow and could be quite complicated. At kung hindi makuha through reforms, bakit nga naman hindi gumamit ng military? Ang kailangan na lang siguro ay some sort of valid narrative to justify yung stay niya in power. At yun nga ay, guess what? Religion. <laughs> I remember reading Ambeth Ocampo's article sharing parts of Marcos Sr.'s uh, diary. Kasi itong si, si Marcos Sr., ano talaga to eh, um, avid diary writer. Kasi feeling niya at some point um, he will be a, uh, a historical personality. So mahalaga yung mga sinusulat niya. And in his diary, he was reflecting on how he was drawn to declare martial law. So the story was, while doing his spiritual retreat, sa Mirador Retreat House in Baguio City in March 1972, Marcos Sr. claimed that God spoke to him on how to address the issues of subversion, arson, terrorism that plagued the capital. Ito yung mismong sinabi niya. Ito yung sinulat niya mismo. And I quote, My own spiritual exercise. I asked the Lord for a sign, and He has given it. In the meditation this morning, the following thoughts were brought out. Is it for the glory of God that there be authoritativeness? Yes, for we return order where there is chaos. The permissiveness of society must be balanced by authoritativeness. The two poles must be given weight and equal importance. End of quote. Authoritativeness, what an ugly word. Gusto ko lang sabihin. <laughs> Pero interesting how it goes back to religion, ano? And how politicians, as cunning as Marcos, could still use God as an excuse to hijack the Constitution, suspend human rights, and impose authoritarian rule. Again, sounds familiar, ano? Mm. Going back to the early early years of the 1970s, no? So, it 
proved to be a challenging time for for Philippine politics. So dubbed as the first quarter storm, it was the height of student activism. No, despite the period uh, witnessing violent skirmishes in Manila where many students were were killed. No? Mm-hmm. At ito, hindi naman ito nawawala sa, kumaga, isa sa mga um, qualities nung, nung panahon na yun, no yung international world order, meron tayong parang communism scare na pinipaint no, globally. No? Lalo na sa kalakasan nito ng Cold War. And within the Philippines, may mga concern din about the spread of communism with the Communist Party and the New People's Army or the NPA, which resulted to labor and peasant unrest. And this caused a lot of concerns no, for, for many people. And this still resonates to, to present-day rhetoric ng mga political leaders natin. No? Allergic pa rin talaga sila sa komunismo. Bali resurgence actually, ano, itong very anti-communist discourse at present ng Cold War discourse nung panahon ni Marcos. Kaiba pa dyan, marami pa mga nangyayari sa Pilipinas, kagaya ng uh, mga pagbaha sa Central Luzon. Yung Plaza Miranda bombing in August 1972, pati na rin yung staged uh, ambush kay then Defense Secretary Juan Ponce Enrile. Maganda ring tingnan no, how the qualities of Philippine politics having a strong leadership and a weak central state worked well no, for Ferdinand Marcos. Kaya na nga noong September 21, 1972, he declared the imposition of martial rule through the Philippines, uh, throughout the Philippines rather, and uh, he established military rule uh, sa pamamagitan ng pag-iimpose ng curfews, no, ng pagdi-dispense ng military tribunal rulings on civilians, no, and uh, of course the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus. No, so this marked the beginning, no, of the 14-year, 14-year period ng Marcos authoritarianism in the Philippines. Mm, and as the old adage goes. Power tends to corrupt, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Prominent opposition leaders such as Benigno Aquino and Jose Jocno were arrested, including several hundreds of individuals critical of the government. Congress was suspended, media outlets were closed, and curfew was imposed. Perhaps such actions were the kind of discipline that Marcos Sr. reflected on in Baguio, sabinanggit natin kanina. And in the following months and years, the Philippines witnessed drastic changes in its political, economic, and social system. At ilan nga sa mga ito ay ang mga sumusunod. Hmm. Yep. Simulan ko, no? So, a new constitution that virtually harnessed Marcos Sr.'s authoritarian rule, leading to, of course, a rubber stamp Congress that wished to, of course, always be on his good side and appease him. Skyrocketing external debt which increased 77 times from 1961 to 1986. So imagine your $360 million noong 1961 na lumobo to $28.6 billion in 1986. No? Dollars yun na. So sobrang laki ng itinaas. 77 times. No? Naalala ko lang tuloy, sakto yung 77 kasi si Marcos mahilig to sa number 7. Eh. So 77 times yung in-increase ng utang ng Pilipinas. Ang dami ng inutang at kalakahan nun ay actually napunta sa nakaw. Nakinabang ang mga Marcoses pero naperwisyo ang mga Pilipino. 
marami ang hinuli, kinulong, gaya ng mga human rights advocates, legal lawyers, labor leaders, at journalists. Ang iba pa nga yung mga desaparecidos na bigla nalang nawawala. Lantarang human rights violations ang nangyari. And while Marcos Sr. was busy centralizing the government, his wife Imelda Marcos pursued her yearning to become uh, not just a patron, but the patron of the arts through her costly edifice complex. No? Ipinatayo ni Imelda yung cultural center of the Philippines at the expense of uh, impover- impoverished Filipinos. Kaliwat ka ng infrastructure projects ang ipinatayo o gamit ang utang mula sa World Bank. At sa IMF. Ferdinand Marcos Sr. finally lifted martial rule noong January 17, 1981, uh, the same week no, when Pope John Paul II visited the country no, just to prove in, in several ways that the Philippines had returned to normal. Mm-mm. Right. So officially, na-lift ang martial law noong 1981. Pero sinasabi ng mga scholar at mga historiador na parang wala naman talagang naging radical na pagbabago um, during martial law and supposed, the, the supposed post-martial law. So, ngayon, yung tanong, was martial law successful or was it a failure? Maganda yung point ni Philip Bowring no, sa kanyang libro na The Making of Modern Philippines saying that the failure of Marcos dictatorship can't be told by his democratic or elite critics. Instead, mas maganda daw tingnan yung measure kung paano gumanda or bumagsak ang ekonomiya noon, especially during his term. In comparison with our neighbors, Marcos' years from 1965 to 1984 generated per capita income of 2.6% annually. Indonesia had 4.9%, Malaysia had 4.5%, and Thailand gained 4.2%. In other words, na pag-iwanan talaga tayo ng mga kapitbahay natin. Tama, ano. And at the time, six in every ten Filipino families were also poor, lalo na by the end of the Marcos period. In contrast, only two provinces showed marginal decrease in the number of poor families. At ito ay ang Cagayan Valley and of course, unsurprisingly, the Ilocos region. Eh, kung was it a golden age? Hmm, golden age, definitely not. No? So, ilang ulit na rin ba itong nabanggit ng mga scholars to a point that even the UP School of Economics professors had to release a discussion paper to deny the claims that life was much better during the Marcos years. No? So, in contrast, napalala pa nga daw ito, no? napalala pa daw ng martial law, yung ekonomiya, dulot na rin ng, of course, lantarang pamumulitika at, of course, mga bulok na pulis yung pang-ekonomiya. Okay. So, eto na lang. Was Marcos Sr. a shaper or a shaker? Hmm, obviously, shaper, no? Kasi while his intelligence and to some extent leadership qualities are something people could admire, the impact of his administration brought adverse effects to Philippine politics, economy, and society. And I think to that point, shaker din siya eh. Sobrang shake nga eh. Parang lindol eh, no? parang nayanig at uh, na-overturn kumbaga uh, yung 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 bansa no at yung ating direction sana towards development no and in a sense also that he was able to de-establish the weak political structure of the Philippine government 
para sa kanyang sariling interest no at to his ad- to his own advantage and unfortunately may impact pa rin ito sa atin hanggang sa kasalukuyan no so gaya na lang ng claim ni Mark Thompson isang political scientist na sinabi niya na authoritarian leaders such as Duterte no appealed heavily to Filipinos who yearned for the reimposition of this so-called discipline no as shown by uh, martial law the martial law period and under the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos at ito yung ganitong klasing disiplina na parang gusto ng karamihan that a lot of people were so nostalgic about brought us a kind of leader like Rodrigo Duterte noong 2016. At alam naman natin kung anong dinulot nito, anong nangyari, ano. Um, kaliwat kanan, yung human rights violations, libu-libong Pilipino ang namatay, at ngayon ay kumakaway ang International Criminal Court. So, hello, ICC. Sabi kay, di ba? <laughs> Sabi ng mga Pilipino. Kaya naman sa marami, no? or sa iba dyan, no? na nagsasabing past is past, or tapos naman na ang martial law, Diba? Siguro tumingin tayo sa ating paligid at usisain natin kung ano nga ba ang mga naging epekto ng martial law sa lipunan at ano sana yung mga bagay na meron tayo ngayon. Ano sana tayo ngayon? No? Mga bagay na napagkait na sa atin, sa ating pamilya, sa ating mga kamag-anak, sa, sa, sa bawat Pilipino dahil lang sa pansariling interes nitong isang individual na ito. And that's it for this episode. Patuloy ninyong bisitahin ang aming social media pages. Nasa Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Threads kami. At meron rin pala kaming YouTube channel. Of course, you can follow us on Podcast TV. At pwede nyo ring balikan ang mga nauna naming episodes. Available ang mga ito sa Spotify, Apple, at Google Podcasts, at iba pang platforms. Bisitahin nyo rin ang aming website, podcast.org. Muli hanggang sa susunod na episode. For now, stay safe and as always, have a good day.